Welcome, everyone, to this very special episode of the Our Strange Guys podcast. We we might be doing this thing monthly. We're not sure. But like we uh, like, you know, Fred is one of the best people to talk to about, you know, UFOs and weird things. And and like I've got him here and we're going to have we're going to have a loose conversation <laughs> about all things, you know, UFOs and really whatever we want. Like this, this can be whatever we want. This is our space. And we're fortunate enough we are going to share it with you for for, for now but like um you know yeah it just uh there was somebody on twitter who said hey i'd like to see you know you guys do something uh you know just like talk uh about the subject uh, you know in in future episodes so it's like you know let's let's try it out let's see what comes to this so uh fred well welcome man how's it going <laughs> thank you thank you well how's it going uh the pressure now i feel the pressure you know from, from you know <laughs> for a, a loose and fun conversation completely natural but you know uh it's i'm yeah i'm sure it will work out fine you know i'm and with me i'm absolutely fine it's better than ever uh maybe i'm in a manic period could be that you know <laughs> <laughs> but 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 at the moment it feels great, you know. So and it's uh, it's nice to see you also here when we're sitting and talking. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. It's 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 always a joy, even if we're just you know exchanging pleasantries and stuff on Twitter. It's it's always a a joy to talk to you and like man, like UFOs lately. Like it, it's been a very it's been a very weird thing, you know. It's um it's a lot of balloon talk, you know. It's balloon talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, here's the thing. I've been, you know, against my 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 better what do you say? My better knowledge. I've been toying. I'm don't butcher me now. But I've been toying with one of those AI art apps, and you know, I've been writing on Twitter how I hate AI art. But you know, mm. I have to look at it. So I've been doing this. Uh, I, I I've written, you know, like a UFO hovering above forest at night. You know. And yeah. generate those those kind of images. And do you know what? That AI creates round balloons. You know, it, it's not flying saucers anymore. It creates yeah. these yeah, these balls. Um, and I, I was like, I, I just want a flying saucer, a classic flying sword. I don't want a balloon. I really yeah. don't want a balloon. Um, so that's that's. That's that's how upset I am about balloons at the moment because I want to see the old school UFOs in in AI art. You know, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. I don't know. So I don't think you're doing it wrong at all, man. Because like, yeah, like the, the balloons have taken over and they've infiltrated even the AI art spaces. And you know, uh, no good can come of that at all. Like. We we want our classic saucers back. I don't even care if it's like an Adamski looking saucer. Ugh. Bring it back. We need it. Like yeah. I need it, it's weird to me, and it's always weird to me how you know UFOs ha are, are an evolutionary thing, 
in um you know the culture uh of people who study this you know like it's gone through the the mystery airships it's gone through the the mystery phantom airplane sightings of the 1930s it's gone through foo fighters and um the ghost rockets and you know flying saucers and it's always weird to me how like the modern stuff is triangular shaped things um you know, they, it, it just seems like there isn't a lot of like talk about round discs or even like the classic looking saucers. It's like it's amazing how um something that is so technologically looking advanced that you can look at a, a, an image or a sighting from like the 1950s or 60s, look at like the concept art of the saucer and it looks vintage like why does why should it look vintage this is like futuristic stuff and yet yeah, yeah. it looks old <laughs> yeah well i mean i i have a i have a a, a very woo woo theory why uh, saucers looks like like they do or saucers ufos look like they do nowadays uh so i'm sorry that i'm gonna go mumbo jumbo here but you know, I, I personally believe that part of the, the phenomenon the experience is a projection of ourselves or we, we somehow, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's in our perception. It can be real, absolutely, but it's still in our perception. So we have been so, you know, it's, we're so oversaturated with information so much that our minds can only create simple shapes. <laughs> Like, like balloons, uh, you know, orbs uh, uh, or triangles and such. You know, it, there was a, you know, yeah. I don't know if I'm completely wrong. Probably, I'm just speculating. But yeah, that's my that's my hypothesis. You know, that's a good hypothesis, and you're absolutely right. Like we are a a, a simple species that, you know, while we are able to do more complex are able to think more complexly than other you know people on this planet or other creatures on this planet we do like the simple things in life like discs like it's it's amazing to me how like a lot of ufos are related to like kitchenware products <laughs> like yeah. and, like you, you know you talk about like uh joe simonton and his citing the the space pancakes and he describes the the craft as two bowls on top of each other. That's I think that's one of my favorite descriptions of a craft because you see it so many so many times all over the place. It's like it looked like two bowls stacked on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I, I guess it's because it's objects we see a lot. Uh, I I I I get reminded of John Ubesun, but it's, uh, observation at Loch Ness, which looks like an iron. Yeah, you know, one of these. Yeah, uh, for example. Um, uh, I, he might have just made that up, to be honest. But, but I it, like I, I remember reading about that case, and then like ten years later, in Flying Saucer Review, there was a follow-up article, and it basically said he hoaxed the entire thing because <laughs> yes. they went to the area. And you recently you wrote an article about that recently, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he claimed to see um, this uh, iron shape. It looked exactly like an old school. Like if you pull out a Monopoly board and you look at the iron piece, it looked exactly like that. And he, there were like three beings around it. And uh, from what I remember, the the 
the way that those beings looked, they looked exactly kind of like the Antonio VS Boa subductors in the way that their outfits kind of looked very similar, like from head to toe. And, uh, you know, he claims the sighting near Loch Ness and uh, people from uh associated with flying saucer review they go and they do this investigation they go to the spot where he says it happens no way it could have happened because this is like this dense forest and like you know the the image that is associated with this is like a there's this clearing you see this iron and like it turned out to be in a you know complete hoax but like i i it, it is amazing how houseware products do shape <laughs> ufos and like I, I do believe that, um, yeah, like one of the most outlandish theories that I've ever had is that UFOs are um, subconscious manifestations of our love for breakfast foods at times. <laughs> because you've got, you've got uh, you know, donut-shaped objects. Like, uh, you know, for uh, Maury Island, it was a donut shape. Um uh you've got egg-shaped objects and like i like eggs for breakfast i'm still waiting for that bacon shaped one but maybe we'll get there i don't know but it just seems like breakfast foods are somehow have something to do with ufos it, it, yeah. like there's there is no doubt in my mind that it has that that it has to play a part in it yeah, I, I agree. Then you have Okeleon, uh, the teenage boy who took a series of photos at, in, yes. in 73. He described the UFO as a loaf of bread. Yes. Yeah, the, at least when he sees it at the beginning. It's a loaf of bread. So, and I like that. I like bread also. I tried to stop yeah. eating it, but I like it. So Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard. It's like it's like like a drug. Bread, I mean. Bread, like... Also. Bread is like one of the most unassuming foods and and yet it's so good like every time like so many different types of bread. I can't quit bread. I've tried and I, I just can't do it. And like, yeah, like I want more of those loaf of bread UFO accounts. I need yeah, yeah. those. Yeah, they, they're awesome. You know, more more breakfast, more food, more more uh, kitchen uh Kitchen utensils? Is that a, yeah. is that even a word? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I'm Swedish, yeah. if you listen. <laughs> so sometimes I just make up words. So I... You're good at making up words that exist, man. I, I'll, ah. I'll give you that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So, oh. like... Um... You know, you, you, you've been writing a lot, uh, you know, on Medium, you know, over the last month. Like, what what types of things have really, like, caught your interest as of late? Like, what, uh, you know, kind of cases and stuff have you been looking into? Oh, I've been... Uh, actually, one is coming out. I mean, we're recording this on a Thursday, and it's coming out tomorrow, Friday. Uh, it's a case from 1983. Uh, it's a lady called Siv Fester. Uh, I call the article Fester's Quest as a, as a very illogical reference to the really crappy game. Uh, <laughs> I've desperately tried to work in the word quest in the article. So but I, anyway, uh, I, I, I love that one because it's such a beautiful mix of something dreamlike and etheric and something physical. You know, it, you, you both have the os factor weirdness and physical landing uh, impressions. Uh, and I like that because it's, uh, because I don't, I don't know, it's, it's just cool <laughs> to, to, to mix those two things. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, like, uh, I, I think, um, you know, like one of the things that Valet really got into and one of the things that he was really good at is like recognizing that there is a physical portion to this, but not letting it get in the way of the fact that there are non-physical esoteric kind of elements to a lot of these cases and like yeah like uh, there are a lot of cases like that where it's just like uh you know i was uh like uh i'm i'm you know the uh, the oz factor comes into play where you feel like you're kind of transported someplace else like briefly mm -hmm. but yet there is something you know physical happening there and, and you're there and present for it and you know even accounts um uh, one thing i'm i've always been fascinated by is uh, accounts of people who uh, claim to be see themselves returning back to their bodies after you know going on board a ufo or something like that as if you know they uh, their consciousness was just like taken out and you know drifted into this ufo and it came back and like uh there is um like uh one of the the uh closest cases that um to me that um uh was documented in a book and it's not it's not as widely known in the ufo community but uh it really should be is a case called the uh buff ledge incident and it happened in 1968 and these two camp counselors at this all-girls camp uh in vermont uh it's like a, it's about like like two and a half hours away from where i live they end up uh being abducted taken on board this ufo and this one guy, uh, his name, the pseudonym they gave him was Michael. He described how he basically went through this bank of monitors and returned back to his body. And it, it's just like, you know, seeing that is, is like in reading that. I don't know. It's just like it, it gets my imagination going. Like, what is it, you know, that, uh, you know, what's going on? What's the total mechanism here? And like, we'll never be able to understand totally what's going on. But like you don't necessarily have to rectify the physical and the non-physical because they exist in the same space. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, you know, UFOs kind of, uh, you know, teach us is that there is a physical and a non-physical part to all of this, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite parts of the, 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 the now so hip case of the aerial school uh, sighting is that, uh, I don't know if it was one or several of the kids who saw one of the beings kind of, uh, get trapped or it, it kind of yeah. was in a loop you know yep. running and then kind of in slow motion also if I remember it correctly and then starting from the beginning again and that that detail made me you know that's that's cool that's very strange <laughs> that is and like you know the the most fascinating thing about mass sightings like that and in, in particular is like they are all kids but they're all like if you listen to the interviews with those kids, those are very intelligent kids. They're they're smart. They um, they are they believe very much what they have seen and, and and such. And they all describe things that are somewhat similar, but slightly different. Mm -hmm. So that makes you that makes you think, uh, you know, the skeptics will say, well, you know, they they're lying or, you know, whatever. But like to the believers in this stuff, it says we all perceive it differently. You know, mm -hmm. we all 
the the in a mass case like this the phenomena itself can present itself to so many people there in so many different ways and like that 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 to me is like you know one of the best cases of the last like 35 years like i i, I think it's like the last case you know that of a, like a humanoid that i can honestly say feels like legitimate and like i don't want to take anything away from anybody in their sightings and and what they report but it's just like and and i think it reflects the fact that we don't have a lot of people out there uh you know a lot of individuals out there investigating you know the investigation process is largely you know submitted online mufon will get in contact with you and they'll try to kind of explain your sighting over the phone or over the internet and it's like mm-hmm. in a lot of cases i think you could do that but yeah. what are we missing out on by not having those investigators out in the field and i get it it's a it's a you know labor of love it's not glamorous it costs a lot of money to do it but it's just like we've gone through that phase where we've lost those investigators you know mm-hmm. so like a lot of what we do is we we look to the past and i think that's important when it comes to ufos but like you know now we're in that phase where like those investigators aren't there so what are we missing out on yeah yeah absolutely i've i i, I don't want to pat my own back here but i've, <laughs> I've recently <laughs> been to the the Ufosverius field investigation course which was extremely helpful very very interesting and i'm looking forward to do uh you know go again next year or later this year uh but that made me end up doing uh an investigation but the witness didn't show up so so i <laughs> but uh, i was lucky because this this guy who i i did uh, a couple of interviews on telephone with at least uh, and we exchanged photos, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, uh, he claimed that in 2005 or 2006, uh, just a few kilometers from where I live, he and six or seven friends were out playing. They were playing, you know, war, as he called it, uh, I guess, with guns. And mm. it was in the middle of the day. It was lunchtime, and they were looking up, and they saw this big, huge, black, blackish. Uh, hovering UFO above the trees, and uh, he shared. He for for him, it was very very clear. This this doesn't belong here. This this is a UFO. This is a flying saucer. This is something weird with it. So he shared some text messages he, he made with his friends from that time, and they say, well, yeah, we saw something, but I wouldn't call it a flying saucer. So. He he had he had several friends who was there and confirmed that they saw something, but they had obviously seen something else. For him, it was a completely different uh, view he had in front of him. I find it fascinating because I'm I, I the guy is convincing, and I, I absolutely don't think he make, makes it up. I, I think he saw something. I think the other people saw something, but the question is, what is it? Uh, and another case I can mentioned briefly because i don't know so much about it to be honest i don't remember which year it was there were two cops um or police officers uh out in a car uh, driving and they see a bright object in front of them uh 
and they report this to UFO Sverige. Uh, one, one of the police officers, officers says that he saw basically a, a, a sphere with a being inside. He could even see instrument panels, you know, everything like a super detail, super close up. So they contacted the other police officer and he said, well, I think I saw Venus there. You know, he for him for him it was just a bright spot up in the sky. For the other guy, it was almost a spiritual uh, experience. That's you know, who, who do you believe? I don't. I don't think we should. It has anything to do with belief. To do it's just you. I'm accepting both stories. They probably saw something, but they saw it from totally different angles. Yeah, like. You know, that's that's always the thing, too, is like it, it's always great, the, you know, even in two witness uh, cases and like they come up and they dispute what they see. Like it's, uh, you know, something completely different to, to one person to the other. And like, you know, does that come down to vantage point or does that come down to, you know, something intelligent? presenting itself in such a way to two different people um that it fits into uh their view of what they think ufos are or you know maybe um like subconsciously deep down like how can we fool you and mm -hmm. uh you know make you think that uh, you're not seeing what you're what you think you're seeing because uh uh there was there was one case that i covered on uh, Patreon. Uh, we did uh, an episode on uh, cases that I found in Canadian UFO report, and one of them was from a guy on a uh, tobacco farm who uh, he went out, I think it was like a Sunday morning, he, and he's uh, going to tend his field, and he sees this UFO just hanging out in his field. It had landed there, and uh, he <laughs> he says to himself oh that's a ufo and then two seconds later he's like oh no that's a tanker truck <laughs> and uh you know he just like goes about his day and it's like i i like when ufos like to like subconsciously you know try to make you think that you're not seeing what you think you're seeing yes <laughs> oh yeah 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 i i, I yeah absolutely it's, it's super fascinating really you know uh, yeah like uh you know because like it, it also makes me wonder is it the ufo itself like if you think of the ufo as a living creature on its own is it the ufo itself sending out those vibes or is it something inside sending out those vibes mm -hmm. like that's that's one of the like endlessly fascinating i think like subgenres of ufo belief is that you know they're living creatures in their own mm -hmm. way like uh you know kenneth arnold was all about that he you know um and and what i find fascinating about kenneth arnold is like if you go and you look at um like like the humanoid catalog uh that qfos has on its website you go through like the old uh card catalog system that they had there you know decade by decade and like you'll see every now and then like uh investigator and we'll say kenneth arnold and and i think like you know kenneth arnold's legacy is as the guy that you know kind of kicked off the modern ufo age with the sighting but 
what uh, like what else is fascinating about him is like he went out and he investigated these cases like he talked to people he um you know became kind of a pariah at the same time like ridiculed endlessly and, and like the thing about his sighting his first sighting because i know he had uh, a couple of other sightings but the uh investigators from the government at the time uh it was um the air force you know handled it kind of like privately they interviewed him and like while kenneth arnold's in the air he's doing everything that he can to figure out what he's seeing he's clocking their speed he's trying to figure out how big these things are and you know just trying to gather as much data and the government comes in and says you saw a mirage but the thing is is like there were other eyewitnesses to it that day and one of them was a prospector named fred johnson and fred johnson he didn't see all of them he saw a few of them fly over and you know and the thing is is like you know, government says to to Kenneth Arnold, yeah, you saw mirages, but to Fred Johnson, you saw UFOs. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know this. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How, I, I mean, why would they be doing that? Why, why was, is, it, is it part of the infamous disinformation, confusion, <laughs> or are they just not communicating within the military? right like how incompetent is the military we know they're they they could be incompetent but how yeah. incompetent at, at this point it's like i think at um along the way you know even even through like you know project sign grudge blue book and stuff like that the government wasn't totally prepared to study this stuff because they didn't know how to they <laughs> like they brought in other, you know, like they brought in Heineck and Heineck, you know, um, I, I, I think Heineck brought a lot to the table when it comes to like, you know, astronomical bodies and and stuff like that. And I think he, you know, did a great portion to help develop, you know, the ways in which you um, ask the right questions to get the answers that you want. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I th that's like a, a very important thing. But without like civilian scientists and they didn't have that many on board with with those the government just wasn't prepared to study this stuff and they you know aside from the you know robertson panel stuff they just a lot of the time they just looked for the most the easiest explanation it's like and it's not to say that the easiest explanation isn't often what it is but it's just you if you can't convincingly uh you know put it into terms that people can believe nobody's gonna buy it nobody mm -hmm. nobody's gonna buy that no like mm -hmm. nobody is buying it, it it now and like with this whole like with all this balloon stuff a lot of it comes down to the way that the government has like disseminated this information and it also shows you just like how little they know at any given time and that like how you know, they're kind of forced to give these press conferences rather quickly without being able to investigate things, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that before. I mean, uh, one thing that comes to mind is the classic case of Roswell, where they very, very fast, I guess, send out a press release that they, they have a crashed UFO. I guess, I'm, mm -hmm. I, to be honest, I'm not so, yeah. I mean, imagine that. Yeah, I mean, without going through certain instances and everything, and directly, okay, it's a flying saucer. And no, absolutely not. We take it back <laughs> directly. Uh, personally, 
and I've uh, I've uh, gotten in 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 a lot of quarrels because of this. I I'm I'm one of those who who think the the government knows shit. They knows mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. I really yeah. do. they 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 don't do not. That's why it's all so dare I say amateurish. I mean, it's it's like they they it's they're like a teenager on their first date. They don't know where to. <laughs> You know, put their fing- fingers. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, sorry. Uh, absolutely, that's <laughs> sorry. I'm Swedish. Uh... <laughs> that's I, I... <laughs> you know what I mean. Sorry, I take it back. Yeah, no, uh... you're good, dude. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, 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 they don't know how to do it. They, they, no. they still after all these years, they like hmm. Let's let's send out. Uh, I, you know, I've, you know, they don't know anything. I really don't think so. And I, I don't know what you think, but I, I personally don't think they have, a, uh, they have a crashed UFO somewhere. I, I don't. I would love them to have or someone to have, absolutely. But you know, it. No, I don't. No, I, I. There's. I have a gut feeling. One of those woo things here. I, I no, I I'm sure we would have known by now if they had a crashed UFO. Yeah, like somebody would have had to say something. And 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 like we're discounting. I'm not talking about Bob Lazar. Like you know, <laughs> like even if you take Bob Lazar at his word, he worked on that thing for what less than two weeks. Um, <laughs> Was it just two weeks? Also, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't very long. It wasn't very long at all. Well, uh, what a what an experience he had during those two weeks, obviously. So, um, no, I, I anyway, I, I seriously doubt it. But you never know. I don't know. You, you never do. But I mean, like, that's kind of like crashed UFOs have like always kind of. I don't want to say they've always been there, but they've been there to an extent, like uh, mm-hmm. to a very limited extent, kind of like, uh, you know, a secret in the UFO community, like um, going through like the Humcat again, like uh, in the, the 40s, early 50s, like you'll, you'll find these accounts from these guys in newspapers saying, oh, yeah, I saw a crashed UFO like down in the southwest and you know what? There were aliens there. And and there's one guy named Ray Dimmick who claims that he saw one down in Mexico. And it's like, uh, you know, uh, the um, the 80s, like the late 70s through the 80s and like even into the 90s, it's like it was the perfect period to like create all of this like UFO paranoia and stuff like that. So like, you know, uh, if you if you think about it, Roswell, um, MJ twelve, um, you know the uh, the Benowitz stuff, um, uh, all of that disinformation stuff. It was all happening around the same time, mm-hmm. and you know, in between that, you have like really interesting cases, kind of like Cash Landrum, Rendlesham Forest. Though, like as interesting as Rendlesham Forest is, it's become so clouded and stuff. But like, oh. um, uh beyond that like the abduction stuff like all of that ufo paranoia just like comes together in the same time period and Mm -hmm. like it really clouds like what ufos are until it becomes like like the culture in in america like you know outside the ufo community 
uh, this like, you know, UFO alien culture that you see in like the X-Files and stuff like that. It was literally taken from probably the worst time in like UFO history. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know sometimes I, I, I wish people just were quiet. Don't don't talk about it anymore. Please don't do it. We heard enough. And like, like you said, it's so cloudy. Every piece of new information just makes it even more blurry. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's like, a, I mean, say what you want about James C. Fox, but I, I actually enjoyed his documentary, The Phenomenon. I think it was mm -hmm. a good documentary. Right. Uh, what he did there, which I really dug, is to go back to the original case and just look at the information that was yeah. came out at the time. Which made, uh, 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 to be honest, uh, most cases a lot more believable than yeah. after forty years of of new witnesses or 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 other kind of information that we we we, we truly don't know if it's true or if it's yeah. you know you know we, we don't know. Uh, I mean, the Socorro landing, which is one of my all time favorite cases. Uh, I, I got a totally new respect for it through that documentary because it was so so simplified, and I and, and I like that. I know it wasn't complete. I know there's more info that could have been interesting from the same time, but uh, I, I like when they're doing that. I'm I'm just you know Roswell. I can't look at anymore really because it's mm -hmm. so so it's so you know it's too much and it's so confusing. And everyone and their uncle and their cousin worked at the site and they saw something so it's like Whew. yeah like roswell to me is an example of like you know when people say like well you know if if we have um flying saucers you know and the government has all these people working on them there's no way that you know it could be a secret for so long with roswell it's like everybody knew about it like you know like everybody who who had knowledge about it knew about it knew someone and like told everyone about it like you know it, it's like it's like almost the exact opposite you know like the, like secrecy of the government versus roswell which like everybody <laughs> like knew somebody that worked on it and it's just like you know their accounts get more and more outlandish to the point where like we don't even know like like Stanton Friedman talked about, I think like two crafts like crashing. There are people that say one got stuck, struck by lightning or, you know, like whatever, like we don't even know, like nobody really knows. It's just like one guy found some like debris on a farm, you know, on a ranch and he gave it to the government and the government came and confiscated it all and there's some shady stuff that kind of went down and it, 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 it like that's it that's all we really know and like mm -hmm. you have you know jesse marcel who says you know i handled this you know this memory metal and i saw the pieces that had the uh strange um characters on it and and such but it's just like there's no way to confirm that and at this point roswell is not really a case worth it unless you can either show us the bodies show us the wreckage show us anything like mm -hmm. that's it like there's there's nothing else like he, he like carrie and schmidt are still publishing books on this yeah. like they've published so many books on it like guys <laughs> how many times can we restate the same information over and over again and like yeah, yeah. uh like i i think like um 
if you really want the definitive account of like people who know, you know, and and the like people coming forward to tell what they know, like Witness to Roswell is a great book for that, but it's just like it's full of so many people coming forward and saying things. And mm-hmm. and like that's that's the model. Like that is like with UFO crashes, they're never reported when they happen. They're always in the past every single time. Like, why is that? Why is it always in the past? I just that that's one thing that always gets me caught in like UFO crashes. They're always in the past, like 50 years in the past and stuff like that. Why is it never when it happens like ever? Well, they need they need time to process this huge event, I guess. I I, I don't know, actually, but uh I, I, I uh, this might be controversial, so you might hate me out there, but I, I actually liked Jacques Vallée's and Paolo Harris' book yeah. uh, uh, about Trinity. Yeah. And I like it because, uh, first of all, I, I like I, I like Vallée. I, it felt, at least from his point of view, to be a quite throughout uh, investigation, lots of mm-hmm. interviews. And in his case, I wouldn't say it was leading questions. You know, he was digging into it like a like a detective, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, they, the boys, if they even remember it correctly, I think they might have seen a hydrogen bomb or you know something military. I don't know, but but I I, I think this, that case is way more interesting than Roswell. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it got a lot of flack just because of uh, Paula Harris was involved in in right. it. But I think you can look beyond her. Yeah, and look at the case and the book itself. I heard there's an updated uh, version of the book now. I haven't yep. read it yet, uh, but I'm I'm intrigued by that. And um, no matter what the truth is, I I feel it has way more more uh, importance than Roswell by now. Yeah, like um, I you know it, it Roswell just kind of sucked a lot of the air out of everything because it, it just it became that definitive thing that has nothing behind it you know like, it's like a psychic vampire Roswell is a psychic vampire itself it's like me 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 look at me here I yeah. am yeah <laughs> you know and you and you're like no not again yeah and, and there's a new book or a new documentary or whatever it's like yeah 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 it's it sucks there absolutely. Yeah, um, you've heard it here, folks. Roswell is a psychic vampire. Like, it's... We got to the bottom of it. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, so what? What, what, other, what other cases have been, like, uh, you know, really tickling your fancy lately? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I at the moment, I'm mostly looking into Swedish cases, Uh um and i published a couple of articles which i'm quite happy with uh one is the one coming up now uh, tomorrow and then we have clis barriet uh, the guy in uh, 44 i think yep. who who yeah exactly who who claimed to have met uh, a spherical ufo and a couple of humanoids out, while out skiing and uh, I've, I, 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 here's the thing. I, I, there was someone commenting, commenting on Twitter that should I treat this, uh, uh, encounter as a 1944 encounter or a 1984 encounter, right. which actually was a very good question because mm-hmm. 
got all the memories back in 1984 in front of the TV. It was through the TV <laughs> television right. set. He, he got this. Uh, and I. it's a small detail in it, but I'm endlessly fascinating. Where in time do you place uh, uh, an encounter like this? Is it when the memory shows, shows up or is it at the alleged date and year? Uh, that's, you know, I, I can't let it go. I'm, I'm thinking about it a, a little bit too much, actually, at the moment. <laughs> uh, but, but, like, that's the thing, too, is, like, when you look at cases from the past, particularly when they're um, published uh, in a certain time period, like, how do we assess those, like, uh, kind of cases? Um you know, for instance, like um, Antonio Villas Boas, his story didn't really get published around until about 1965. So, like eight years after it had happened, um, and largely because you know one investigator had found out about the case, went to go investigate it himself, tracked him down. Um, Antonio didn't really want to talk about it because, like, hey, like there's this really weird event in my life. I talked about it with two investigators they didn't end up believing me why would i want to talk to you so you know like eight years later i you know i i firmly believe that something happened to antonio whether you know bosco nadelkovic is right and it was a cia thing i don't know but like uh cia's got some really gnarly looking helicopters then because <laughs> like, you know, you look at the thing, it doesn't look like a helicopter. Um, but like, uh, that's the thing is like, how do you treat cases that are published later that are from the past? And and mm. there are, you know, some that come to mind. I, I like one of the, I think one of the interesting ones was uh, the, um, the 1951 um, abduction case of the anonymous man who was uh with the guy with the uh, military in austria he talks about you know being taken on board uh, you know a ufo captured uh being brought on board like if you read it because his account was published in 1957 it's it's not your typical alien abduction fair it's very different it is uh one of those cases in which you know, it feels more like a guy being held hostage than it does an abduction case where you're going to be brought on board, things are going to be done to you, and you're going to be brought back. For him, this guy, he was brought on board, and he wanted to go back, and, like, the the being brought him back, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, it, it you know, how do, you, how do we treat those cases? Because there are many of them. Um, mm -hmm. you know, published in the 60s and the 70s of people saying, yeah, in 1944, I, uh, you know, I was picking berries out uh, on this road and I saw an egg-shaped craft and three short beings around it and, and such. So, like, uh, for me, I've, I've gotten to the point, particularly um, with um, the humanoid sightings and the abduction accounts where... Um, if you're publishing it um, before like 1981, you know, I, I, I tend to take, you know, people at their word a, a little more than after Bud Hopkins Missing Time is, is published because uh, you know, when we did 
research for this abduction series, which um, there's two episodes left in it. Um, and after 1981, it, it becomes something entirely different, but still somewhat resembles the abduction accounts that came before it, because realistically, like a lot of the accounts that you would read from the 60s, 70s, um, and even like up to like 1980, they're not these uh, things that have a family lineage to them that are completely like about, you know, medical tests and, and stuff like that. And it's not about hybrid beings. It's mm -hmm. people were captured. They were brought on board. Some something was done to them. Yeah. You know, um, uh, in in like the 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 Lee Parrish case, uh, for instance, you know, he was abducted in Kentucky in 1977. Um, he, of course, he retrieved his memories through like one hypnosis session, but he he recalled being brought on board, and he was examined by three machines. One of which resembled a tall wall. One, the other one, kind of like um, the sketch of it, kind of looks like a small like. Um, coke cooler that you would uh you know get get a coke out of from a grocery store and the other one looked like this like very large adding machine very very <laughs> strange things it's like you were abducted by machines they did a pretty damn good job of bringing it on board <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah like how do you how do you rectify that though how do you rectify these accounts of the past when they're published in you know so far removed mm -hmm. from when they take place and i i struggle with that at times you know yeah yeah i recently read the uh, abduction enigma uh, by uh, kevin randall and yep. i don't remember that yeah which i found a, a, like a huge revelation to be honest as i stated on twitter I've, I've never been so read up on on the abduction phenomena so i decided you know to to read books you mm -hmm. know look into it and it's though it's kind of debunking a lot uh, of it in, in that book. Uh, I, I still feel it's uh, very, very fascinating. Um, I'm, I honestly don't know where I, I, where I sit re regarding uh, uh, this, this part of UFOLI. I honestly don't know. I totally respect the stories, uh, the, the, the experiences, definitely. But I'm not sure myself deep inside where, you know, is this... Is this just from hypnosis, or is right. this this is this some kind of real inner experience or outer experience? I don't know. Um, I, I haven't figured it out yet, really. Um, uh, but I, I will continue to study it, and soon I will have the answer, the truth. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> so I'm. I'm <laughs> You, in other so, words, you look so serious there. So, <laughs> in other words, Fred's going to bring you disclosure. That's what he's going to yeah. do. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I maybe I should keep quiet, but I, I was just about to bring up George Sadamski and the old school uh, uh, contactees. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you read Håkan Blomqvist, the, the Swedish researcher and investigator. He's been very focused on the contactee movement from the 50s and, and up. Uh, and um, he, I mean, he had a point with it. I, I, Adamski was problematic, without a doubt. And uh, I would say 
uh, I, I would say we can call him a hoaxer. I mean, I, I, mm. I but I, I have this silly idea that that um, the phenomenon, whatever it is, can kind of take uh, people or humans as kind of proxy personalities, you know, proxies for for it. So, for example, Adamski. Uh, and I, I'm just, it's very hypothetical here, of course, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, he had contact with someone who probably looked like normal, obviously Swedish people, because everyone looked like Swedish people, you know, these Nordics, I hate Nordics, I do, yeah, I do. Uh, and so he met people, but somehow, and it's, it's a very mumbo jumbo here, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Rob, uh, somehow that's still part of the phenomenon itself. Um, that they kind of take on the innocent bystanders become uh, uh, a part of it. Uh, uh, Maybe I'm just out, you know, I'm hallucinating myself here regarding this, but I, it's, it it continues to attract me, this, the the contactive movement in general. I find it very, very fascinating. Sure, hoaxes everywhere, but still they kept going. And uh, um, I mean, you have the Richard Höglund case in Sweden, which is so bizarre. And it's, I, I don't know if we talked about the last time I, I was on uh, Our Strange Guys, but it's super complicated. He had all these contacts with, with alien beings and his friends saw them. His wife saw them. They came to his home. They saw this. They saw people arriving and he talked to them, uh, unknown people. Who, yeah. who were there? Were they just uh, were they human zombies controlled by outer space people or something <laughs> else? I I don't know. I I find I find this part of ufology so confusing, and I mm-hmm. I'm, uh, but I, I can't stop reading about it at the moment. And uh, I mean Adamski for sure because he's the most famous one of it, but. Um, I don't know what do you think about these old school uh, contactee guys. <laughs> I think what's interesting about the contactees is like they're a separate category of contact that specifically relate to people who claim to have contact with human looking people like that. That to me is is always kind of fascinating that we have our own special category for that. Like, you know, it, it almost seems kind of like. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't. It, it just seems kind of weird to me, like <laughs> that we would have all these accounts of just people interacting with people that looked exactly like humans, and like you yeah. know, for all of um, you know, the contacty era of you know, um, uh, Adamski, George Hunt Williamson. Uh, Fry and, and and all those folks, you know, a lot of them look at him and uh, them as, you know, hoaxers and, and such. But like when it comes to, um, you know, like Injured Cold, Injured Cold is like this massive cult figure uh, to the point yeah. where like Injured Cold has a life of of his own at, at this point, you know, and uh you know darren Berger, like what was it about darren Berger aside from that one interview that he gave uh on you know uh tv in which 
he, you know, sounded very down to earth about everything. Mm -hmm. Why is it? I, I it, to me, it always seems like you have the contactees, and then you, and then you have Woodrow Derenberger on the side <laughs> as something totally different. Yet he is in that category of people. How do I, I don't understand how he gets treated differently? And and I think what's you know interesting is like uh he like because injured cold has a life of his own like he is because none of the other contactees guys aliens they don't they don't have that they lived and died with them mm -hmm. and but there's something about injured cold is it just because it was happening at the same time of the mothman or what is it about injured cold other than his like creepy smile that makes people want to believe in injured cold versus every other, you know, contactee. Not that I'm trying to say, Hey, believe the contactees. I'm not saying that at all, but it's just like, it, it's the categorization of it is always what's fascinated me and not mm -hmm. the accounts themselves, because it almost seems arrogant in a way to, to like separate it out and call it the contactee movement. Like, Hey, guess what? our space brothers and sisters came down and you know what they said? We're fucking up too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't say we should believe these uh, old guys, uh, but, but I, you know, it's still belongs in, in, in ufology without doubt. And I'm very happy every time someone actually, makes a try to look at it seriously at that part of the phenomenon yeah. because obviously something was going on then if it was in their head in some way or something else or a psyop which is always popular to bring up i have no idea you know uh with, with the injured cold i heard by the way he died a few years ago but i also heard a couple of days ago that he's alive now again yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Tanya Derenberger uh, said that at least. So uh, I hope maybe there will be a uh, Ingrid Cold disclosure soon. That maybe nice. are <laughs> we are we poised for that? Uh, I was always of the mind, and one thing that I pushed a lot in 2016 uh, during the um, U.S. presidential elections, I really wanted Ingrid Cold and Carl Ardo to be, you know, Jeez. the the ones running and you know i never got my wish but uh you know maybe uh you know uh political campaign is in the future for injured cold and like one of the th i think like after reading um visitors from lanulos uh Derenberger's book the f most fascinating thing to me about um lanulos is that there are so many car accidents <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know like so many car accidents leading to um so many foster children <laughs> well it's, it's it's a dangerous subject you know so yes. yeah yeah it is well, it is uh, like maybe I... has traffic problems <laughs> yes yes i mean maybe i we had the Eric on Twitter who, who asked, uh, uh, he asked why advanced alien UFOs are frequently described as having crashed. So maybe there is something in general in the phenomenon and crashes. Mm. 
that's very far-fetched. I have no idea where, where I was going with that, but <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, you know, the, the easy answer is like, well, you know, it's, it's earth and their planet is different or wherever they come from is so different that, uh, their crafts like cannot hold up. Like, um, when I researched, uh, I think it was like episode 103, it was the story of Rachel's eyes, like the story of this alien human hybrid child that uh, went to college briefly and, and made a friend and stuff. And it's it's legit one of my favorite episodes that, that I've ever done of this podcast. Like, it brings me joy because I had my friend Sam Fredrickson on and Sam, I love Sam to death. He, he's, he's one of my best friends and uh, he is uh, he has such a unique perspective on all this stuff. And like, you know, we really got into like the psychological aspect of uh you know a mother who couldn't connect with her child so she found a really unique way to connect with her and like you know just the idea that you know um this area where this one um i think he was a colonel worked at and for some reason, UFOs just kept crashing there. Like it was like the visitor center, but they would also crash a lot. <laughs> Why? You know, like that's the that's the ageless question. Why do UFOs crash? And yeah. um, I bad driving. That's it. That's the only answer. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Or they just I mean, it could be a quite depressing thought. They arrived to Earth. They see, okay, is this it? And they yeah. just go yeah, just, right into the ground, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, it was a mistake. It was a mistake yeah. coming here. We, and I don't want to go back now. No, no, I, I can't tell those Atlantis about this place, you know, um, or wherever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Eric, there you have your question. It's a yeah, very, yeah. yeah. Your, um, your answer, sorry. <laughs> Uh, so one one question um, from uh, Steve Berg, good you know past guest, what a, a good buddy. Um, what's your favorite noodle? <laughs> noodle, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> Steve asks the big questions, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah. What's your favorite noodle? Because I'm I'm totally blank now. This was a shocking question that I I, I need to process for a few seconds. You know, I'm all about fettuccine. I really love fettuccine. I love fettuccine noodles. Like I like that little thicker noodle because uh, I I'm more of a I'm definitely a pasta person to an extent. Like mm -hmm. I uh, I do love a little fettuccine alfredo. So. Um, yeah, like I, I'm definitely a fettuccine noodle um, kind of person. And and I know that's like, you know, I, I don't think it's a base answer. I think it's a little higher above that. <laughs> but like, you know, that's that's my go to noodle. If I want if I want pasta, I'm going to get that fettuccine noodle because it's a little mm -hmm. thicker. So 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 update a Swedish person here when you say noodle. Are, are we talking about pasta in general yeah. or? Uh, yeah, OK, OK, you know, because that's. Yeah, for Pasta, us here, ramen, you know, whatever yeah, your, okay, your choice. Okay, well, oh, all right, all right. Well, I'm a, I'm an old school guy. I, I like uh, tagliatelle, you know, the mm. flat long, you know, yep. comes like a, yeah, uh, which I find adorable, actually. I could almost <laughs> eat them uncooked. 
no, not really. But I, I really, it's my favorite. Definitely. <laughs> it's a good choice. It's a very, a very good choice. Um, so uh, Jeremy Rumble uh, asks, uh, are there any UFO stories you believe slash love despite how sketchy it may be? Yeah, that, that was, I, you know, that was a tough question. I I, I read it. Um, uh, shall I start? Because my answer yeah. is very boring and I know you probably have a m way more fun and <laughs> cheerful answer to this. My, my, <laughs> uh, I, I, Travis Walton, uh, which is, you know, it kind of feels like not a lot of people think th this is a hoax. And mm. there was these rumors about Mike Rogers uh, saying it's a hoax, uh, uh, but he then denied it. It was some digital manipulation of his recording, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but I truly... I know it's over. It's overworked. This case, I, I know, but it's so classic. It has mm -hmm. it has a couple of guys in a forest, uh, UFO. He gets sucked up on it. He disappears. He comes back. He becomes a semi celebrity for thirty years after something like that. I I I know it's sketchy. I do, but I like the the simplicity of it. You know, it's 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 like from a movie. And surprise, it became a movie also, as we yes. all know, with Fire in the Sky, you know, because yeah. it fits so good for that. I'm, um, uh, I, I could probably have chosen something more fun, but that was kind of, that was, I, I really want to believe, truly believe the really old weird cases, you know, mm -hmm. I, 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 I really want to, because they're so cool with, with Waltons is more like, you know, yeah, it could be a hoax. But yeah, yeah, it could be a, it could be real also. You know, it's quite you know it's so yeah yeah that, that's my boring answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. You, you apologize to nobody, Fred. Nobody. <laughs> um, for me, there are there are a couple of a couple of answers that I have for this, and and the Rachel's eyes story. I think what makes it so makes you want to believe it when you read it is like how down to earth it feels how human a story it feels despite the fact that like like there's one point where um you know rachel uh she basically came uh to earth on a saucer that ended up crashing she was the only survivor and they decided to raise her on this military base and the uh the one guy in charge of it essentially had to adopt her uh, as like a human person. And like, there's so many human elements to the story that it makes you want to believe it. And like, even if you don't accept the story at face value, when you get down deep into the psychology of it, it becomes an even more human story about this woman and her relationship with her daughter. And for that, that like, that's, that's one choice. My second choice and and Jeremy, you know, totally nailed it on the head with the what he said. The Gulf Breeze incident is so fun and stupid at the same time. You have this one guy 
who's like running around like he's Arnold freaking Schwarzenegger in the Predator. <laughs> he's gonna like take down these aliens. These aliens are just so bad at abducting him. And like he's got a gun. He's like, you know, waving it at these aliens. Like he's going outside in a towel, like, uh, you know, getting out of the shower and confronting these aliens outside <laughs> with a towel. And, and you know, he's. It's the most American story, uh, UFO story that you can think of. It is America, the epitome of America. Like, you know, a, a guy driven nuts by these aliens and how bad they are at their job. So um, I think there's a lot to relate there because like, um, it, especially on the alien side of it, being so bad at their job it makes you wonder if they were so tired of all this shit having to come there abduct him and and do all that stuff like i can relate to the average worker and and what they're going through through this story through the the lens of these aliens and just maybe it's not even that they're bad it's just like i don't want to do this you know i don't want to you know abduct this guy and have to deal with him so like you know let's just pretend like we did it and maybe we can wear him down to the point where he'll he'll ultimately agree and you know we'll take him up one last time do what we need to do with him and uh send him on his way and i think what's interesting about ed walter's story um because i do think that ed experienced something at some point in his life and maybe more than once i i don't like uh Kufos infamously debunked this case um because uh they did an analysis of like the flap data and what they realized is like when ed reported his sightings to the newspaper you know anonymously as mr x uh you would suddenly have all of these other people coming forward and saying it, but like there was no sustained flap data. It was only after he would come forward with uh, his accounts that people would say, Oh yeah, I saw this, saw that, saw this, saw that. Not only that, there's like four military bases nearby. Like, no, like, I'm sorry. That's, that's too many. That's, that's too many. And you know what? They have two of them have like the similar name. One is Eglin and one is Elgin. I'm like, what the hell is this? It's it's like two letters rearranged. Who was, who was lazy on that front? Like what the hell? But like the, the story through and through, and even when MUFON gets involved and they try to, you know, uh, document a sighting as it's going on and like it's it's so dramatic and it is so beyond any other ufo story like when you really dig down to it and like ed's accounts are very thoroughly documented he like wrote he wrote two books on it and dear god is it it's <laughs> tedious it is very tedious and uh, but it is just so like when you read it you get a good idea of what americans are like <laughs> i understand yeah yeah ah <laughs> uh, uh, so um we we got a we got another question from james here uh at buzz on on twitter and i and i think this is one definitely up your alley because like uh you know if anybody follows you on on twitter they'll see you posted in pictures of like movies that you've been watching and really love. So um, he asked, you know, what's 
one weird story in or, or encounter that you would love to see, you know, immortalized as a movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I've, I, I mean, since I first read about it, it's a Swedish case, uh, the, the Valentina UFO flap of 1974, which is, uh, it plays out during uh, evening and night, and even a, a little bit, bit uh, a day before and after also, where a whole family is stalked and chased by a big UFO. And there's so many, you could, you could make like a movie like Shortcuts or, you know, you know, from it, all these, these people from different uh, vantage points with different experiences uh, are, you know, sees and experiences UFOs. I think it would make a fantastic story and also in a, a nice Swedish forest, forest environment, because there's a lot of forest and old dirt roads, which I love. Um, uh, I mean, I, and that one would make seriously a great movie. And so also the uh, Richard Hoegland case, the, the bizarre case of uh, Richard who, who, who had to move to Bahamas. Bahamas, uh, the aliens told him, move to Bahamas. And, uh, and he, he visited there under, you know, some secret base there and he commu- you know it's, it's so complex and it's it works like a spy story it's it has murder it has drama it has healing <laughs> it has it has it has it has a mysterious artifact this metal plate that he receives and then kind of lo- loses somewhere along the way i have no idea no one knows um uh i've i've seriously asked uh, Joachim Blomqvist who, who wrote the book about it that you know is it okay one day if I write the script from from your book and he said <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> you know because it's such an exciting story it is yeah. I I can't really uh, I can't I can't I can't uh, um, tell it here because it's it's way too complicated I mean I I, I need to sit down and prepare for weeks to be yeah. able to understand it, you know, it's so, so many components and characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. For me, there, there are a couple. So um, one case that uh, I just recorded an episode on is the, um, uh, the Pennine mystery of um, the death of Zygmunt Adamski and uh, Alan Godfrey's abduction. Because they're so interrelated because he's the guy that investigates the case of Zygmunt Adamski. And and like his death is so mysterious because Zygmunt Adamski, he ends up on top of this coal pile. Nobody knows how he got up there because there's no sign that anybody like climbed up there and put him on it. And it's 15 feet high. So like there's there's no way that, you know realistically there's no evidence anybody climbed it and put him on there like no evidence at all around him his uh death is very mysterious he has these weird burns on the back of his head but strangely enough they were treated with an ointment um that uh they couldn't totally identify and uh he died uh because of uh he had a heart problem so he ended up dying of that at least that's what the coroner ruled police didn't want to do an investigation of it despite the fact that the family wanted him, wanted them to do it. Um, his wife, 
uh, you know, came and and said, you know, and urged them to do an investigation. They dropped it. So like months later, Alan Godfrey has an abduction while he's patrolling uh, this one neighborhood uh, where this woman reports like these cows just like tramping around her property and she's startled by this light and you know he he finds himself abducted taken on board this ufo by um gray like creatures and the main alien is a hebrew man named yosef <laughs> all right yeah it's a very it's a very <laughs> weird story but it would make it would make a great movie um i always felt like um uh lonnie zamora's story could make a great lifetime movie like mm -hmm. a really good like tv movie if done right about like here's a guy that's really he's a really good cop you know you show uh you know him being a really good cop he goes through this you know has this uh sighting it gains all this publicity and then it ruins his life. Like if you know that, that makes a great movie in and of itself. Like it's mm -hmm. a very human story and it's, you know, it happened to so many police officers, you know, when you think about it and like, I, I think that could definitely make a really good movie. Um, and, and one other one that I think would be really great is if somehow you could do, even like an anthology series on the 1973 year of the humanoids in the, in the United <laughs> States, like do an anthology series on like all of these, like just like shorts with these weird encounters with very strange looking aliens. Like the, the one that looked like a catfish with a, with an eye in the middle of its head. I, I, I could totally, I totally be down with that. That would be, mm -hmm. that would be amazing. I'd, I'd absolutely love to see that, you know? Yeah, that, that, that is a great idea, really. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, anyone who listens, who have the money, do it, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and hire Rob also as a consultant on it, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, very, very good idea. I have an idea here. Maybe also a, 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 an amazing adventure with Joe Simonton and the Italian aliens, you know, yes. flying around the world, trying different kinds of food, enjoying, enjoying life, basically. Oh my God. That would be an amazing freaking movie. Like, yeah, it starts with the aliens visiting him. They give him the pancakes and he's like, look, these taste like shit. Why don't I introduce you to some cuisine on my planet and we'll show you what's going on. And like, yeah, they visit, they visit like Italy, they visit, you know, all of these, all of these places uh, around the world. And like, that would be an amazing like indie film. I would totally watch that. Oh yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, we need to manifest it. Both the year of humanoids and Joe Simonton. I think. That's yeah, we need to absolutely make that happen. And like, if there's anybody listening to this, because there's got to be, there's got to be movie people like Steve. <laughs> Steve, I know you're in. I know you do. You've done movies and TV. If you're listening to this, man, I know you've got more connections than I do. We can make this happen. I'm gonna text you at some point about this. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Rob now. Yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah, supportive. Ab absolutely, here. absolutely. So, um, yeah. Speaking of movies, like you, um, 
you just uh uploaded a, a video what was it yesterday about some aliens some some ufo movies and like i i what i loved about it is like they're not your typical ufo movies they're 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 different so i i i gotta ask what what are some of your favorite ufo like alien slash alien movies well, I mean, one of those I mentioned is altered by Eduardo Sanchez, the Blair Witch, which I honestly think is a great, great movie. Even if it's like a reversed abduction movie, they abduct the alien, yeah. <laughs> torture the alien. Uh, uh, but it's, uh, it, I think it's uh, absolutely perfect. Um, mm. Outside of that, uh, I'd say, okay, I sound like an old fart here, but I really... <laughs> really really like the ufo incident the old tv movie with, yes uh, uh, i think it's a great little movie and with splendid acting you know it's uh very yeah and i i heard there will be a new like some netflix movie about betty and barney also we'll see how that right. goes but um so the ufo incident altered and I, now I need to come up with a third one here. You know, it, it needs to come in three because there's so many. Uh, yes, I, I, I have a I have a great one that I think very few have seen. It's called Unaware. It's a, a found footage movie. A young couple hmm. is uh, coming to their grandparents or something. I don't remember. And it's very slow. It's very realistic. It's really no action in it. But they suddenly understand that there's something hidden in the yeah. in the garage. I think it's very effective just because it's so realistic and, to be fair, a little bit boring. But I, I don't mind that <laughs> when it comes to punk footage, you know. I think it works. You know, yeah. it's mysterious. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, unaware. I think, uh, yeah, check check it out. But alter it. Mm. Mm it's it's yeah quality quality and you um i have always been a fan of the mcpherson tape just because oh, yes. of how like like those aliens scared the hell out of me <laughs> when you see them come on screen and i'm like oh god and the fact that they were able to fool stanton friedman I, I actually, I mean, I, I love McPherson tape and I, I, I love the, the scene where they they see the UFO the first time, which I think is yeah. so great. I also saw his own remake uh, a while ago. Um, uh, I don't remember the title of it, but uh, which I felt was quite inferior to the original yes. movie. Yeah. Because it's it lacks the chaos, the the crappy quality, everything. The first one is a great, great yes. uh, UFO alien movie. Yeah, I think it was um, UFO incident at Lake County or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, good one, good one. Yeah, like that. That's that's always one that uh, I I um I always go to. Um, and and this choice is, you know people will feel however they want to feel i love the first men in black movie like it is so it's so good and it is so like the the world building in that is is so fantastic and like i have 
I have the original three print comic run that it's based on. So like, it's, it's a little personal to me that like, um, and, and even the, the third one I find to be really good. Like there was a really good premise there, you know, like, yeah, it's a time travel film, but like that one character that they introduced that can, um, pretty much predict like how the world is going to change based on, you know, one tiny like uh thing, you know, and such like that's, that's like really good. I've, I've always, I've always kind of loved that. Um, as for a third one, um, I absolutely, uh, and you know, I'm going to parrot you on this, uh, the, the UFO incident. And I think what makes the UFO incident as great as it is, is that it's not totally 100% focused on the UFO and the alien encounter. It's focused on their marriage and how it affected them and, and, you know, how the case kind of um, became what it did and kind of the hypnosis sessions and stuff like it's, it is about the abduction, but it's also about two people navigating their way through the world. And, and I think that's what makes it great. And not only that, like, the aliens are kind of freaky looking. Yeah, um, they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for dudes in like, you know, masks and stuff like that, it, it's effective. It's effective. I, I you know, I, I will fully admit that it is. Uh, but just um, the acting is is phenomenal. You know, uh, James Earl Jones, Stell Parsons, they they do it, you know, phenomenally. And uh you know, Estelle Parsons really does a great Betty Hill. Like if you've ever heard Betty Hill talk, she's pretty much got it down. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really good. And, um, you know, even James Earl Jones, you can see Barney Hill in that. And like, you know, his, his frustrations with Betty over like all of this, like I, 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 I went through this traumatic thing. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Typical man. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, truly one of the best tv movies i've ever seen truly mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. truly like just absolutely absolutely fantastic um so yeah i think i think that's where we're gonna end this one so like fred um plug anything you want here man uh plug away whatever you got <laughs> well you know join me on twitter or or instagram uh if uh, my name is uh, homo satanis there uh i'm always posting and sharing stuff and trying to, I don't know, trying to survive in a harsh Twitter climate. No, I'm just exaggerating a bit here. But, uh, I, I call it word pooping. I, I don't know what yeah. to say. So I just poop words. So right. I, I apologize for that. And uh, sooner or later, I will have a new book coming out called yes. uh, uh, Northern Lights, High Strangeness in Sweden. I don't know exactly the date, but I hope... Within a, in a month, maybe, or something. I, I will see. Uh, I, I don't want to say so much more until I actually hold a physical copy of it myself in my hands. So that's <laughs> that's about it, you know, I'd say. Yeah, and, like, I'm psyched for it, dude. I can't wait for the book to come out because, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get my hands on it, and then, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it, you know, when, when it does come out. So, um, yes. yeah, folks. Just uh, follow him on Twitter and you'll know when that's coming out. And I'll even I'll even let you know on the podcast in general, uh, you know, where when it's coming out, um, I'll keep you all informed because it, it, like, you know, uh, one thing that I do really value uh, of um, about you is, you know, putting these cases out there, you know, because more and more 
we uh, the UFO phenomenon has always had this Amerocentric view, unless you really dive deep or you know in, in, into a lot of different things. So you know, putting these cases in front of a, a an audience that uh, speaks you know a, a different language, speaks English, you know, is is like it's always a make or break kind of thing. Like whether a case is known widely always comes down to when it, it, it whether it's published in English or not, which always frustrates the hell out of me because we have access now to more, you know, UFO journals and stuff. You can literally go and and, and I'm having joy watching Fred wrangle his cat right now. It's so great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have access more and more to like old UFO journals. All it takes is, uh, you know, plug in the words into like Google Translate and you'll get a passable, you know, document. You'll get a passable case. So uh, I think if anything, it's definitely been inspiring to me to, you know, go through some of these cases that are like in French and Portuguese and stuff like that, you know, translate them because like a lot of people may not know about them and they didn't, you know, go on to have this, uh, you know, life beyond this UFO journal. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and y'all better be looking forward to it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, as for me, OurStrangeSkies.com. Uh, you can find just about anything there that you might need. Uh, I we've got welcome UFO people, the the web comic, uh, at Twitter, welcome UFO peeps, Instagram, uh, is welcome UFO people, and uh, Todd's working on the website. We're gonna get those prints going. I, I swear, like we're gonna we're gonna keep saying that, but like Todd's a busy dude and he's he's kind of taking taking it all right now. So, um, uh, but we'll get there. We'll get those uh, those prints in your hands. Um, and uh, yeah, like um, special thanks to Floats for the use of uh, their song "UFO" as their theme song. Uh, Spencer Worth Davis kind of does everything behind the scenes he's a good dude um megan lagerberg did our logo and uh the great desdemona did a lot of our t-shirt designs um and finally don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies or you'll never know what the government's shooting out uh you know of the sky other than balloons <laughs> in gray we trust <laughs> Yeah.